Now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Oh yeah. First time in three and a half months, Josh and I are in the same room. It feels so good to have you back home. Oh, that's really sweet of you. Tell me, Joshua, where are we? We're in, well, actually, I'm going to say that from now on, we are going to be coming from West Hollywood, California. Yep, that's it. Our Santa Monica studios. uh, Studios. (laughs) Our distant memory. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to say thank you to all the folks at um, 963rd Street for a good for a good run. That's right. They're um, really old, crappy carpeting created for amazing acoustics. <laughs> and now we're gonna be we're gonna be doing our thing from West Hollywood, California. I have to say that that apartment had amazing acoustics. Yeah, yeah. And this we, one's not so bad. This is great. Yeah, a lot can, of you've got a carpet down here. Well, not yeah. really carpet, hardwood, and then a little bit of a rug. Yeah. This is Josh's second apartment. Yeah. <laughs> because the first one was just you know antiquated. <laughs> antiquated. Yeah. Uh, we're well, back. It's, it's good to have you back. Seriously, it's good. I, I missed you. It was the whole summer. I was a couple times. People were like, "Going, hey, why are you wandering around your neighborhood, Joshua?" And I'm like, "Oh, because you know it's Thursday and you know lost and alone." Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm uploading, but I'm alone. Now I'm back. I'm <laughs> back, and I have uh, had uh, plenty of uh, traffic. <laughs> I'm very excited to be back in Los Angeles. The first couple of weeks, it feels good to be in traffic. It's like, ah, home. I can really do some good listening to some NPR, you know, in my Yeah, in my I'm listening car. to some really weird, uh, yeah. crappy 90s rock playlists. Yeah. That's what I did the last few days. And I would say that, uh, what else? Everyone has said, how's the transition? How's the transition? I've been okay. Mm-hmm. I've been okay. All of life is about transitioning. It is. Particularly now where we're so distractible. Like, you know, like we go and we do email and we tweet, we find, we check in with our Insta friends and then we're expected to like (laughs) come back and hang out and be with it. Yeah. But that doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't. You know, you know, it's interesting you say the word distraction because I feel like that's one of the things that really gets in the way of artists doing their best possible work. That's, that's a hundred percent true. Josh and I, for our inaugural return to (laughs) not being inaugural decided to come up with the top five top five yeah top five ways that we uh, need to like support each other as artists artists writers musicians yeah. can support themselves yes support themselves uh so we came up with a list so today is going to be weirdly practical today Ooh, we Grounding. can do that we can we can do practical are we in virgo yet not yet right uh we're leo that's yeah aquarian oh dude you know what today is full moon Today, full moon? Yeah, full moon energy. So dude. what happens on a full moon energy? Well, podcasting happens. <laughs> right. um, but this one specifically is about manifestation and creating your ideal future and help. We're moving into the Aquarian age and we're in the Leo energy, but we're also into the Aquarian energy. Okay. So it's, it's, and it's a powerful one. All right. Yeah. 
Well, let's manifest some self-support. Yeah, and Chiron and Uranus is like, I think, in retrograde, which is really giving us a chance to review some old patterns. So because of that, really important for us to come up with some ways to support ourselves. Okay, okay so, so with that in mind. All right, so here we go. You ready? The, here's number one, the, five, the top five ways. Number one, distraction. So what I'd like everyone to do is, and I, I do this myself, is to write down, actually spend 10 minutes if you're not too distracted, yeah. to write down all the ways that you are habituating to be distracted. So some people have a thing of like, oh, I check emails, you know, 20 times a day. Some people have distraction by um, uh, taking phone calls when they know they, know they shouldn't. Like if someone calls, and they're like, oh, I can't talk to that person, but then I can't say no. So then they pick up and they talk for an hour. It's like, where where do you get distracted and and, and not fulfill your artistic destiny? Right. Okay. So this is, uh, basically becoming conscious of your habits. I would put that in that category and I would encourage you to do this in a gentle way and a non-judgmental way. In mm -hmm. my experience, when people look at their habits that are maybe not bringing them to their highest good, mm -hmm. when they look at it in a really punitive way, like they're punishing and there's guilt and they're a bad person. Mm hmm for reasons I can't explain, I probably could, but I don't feel like it. Um, that makes you more likely to repeat those habits. Yeah. Because that's a negative energy. Yeah. When you come at it from a place of observation and be like, huh, oh, I do this. First thing I do in the morning is look at my phone. You know, when I, uh, I keep my message notifications on when I write. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If my, my romantic partner needs something from me, I let that give them permission to open the door and bother me no matter what's going on. Mm. Uh, if my dog needs to come in no matter what time of day and no matter how many times the dog asks, I, I do that. Okay. Wait, wait, add my way. Talk slower. Cause I'm writing all these down. Right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So, so, wait, what, wait. so <laughs> yeah. So the encouragement, the instruction is just to actually, what I would do is I would do this with no judgment, just with as a witness self. Mm -hmm. Like, huh, these are my habits. Yeah. And if you do them again next time, you're just trying to slow down and take a deep breath. So if you do need to check it, you just actually want to slow down and become conscious of it so you can start to think about making a different decision. Yes, because you can't change that which you're not aware of and really connecting with that. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word specifically, though, distractions, because there are some things that are habitually distracting you me that is the barrier between me and my ex and my ex experience of expression as an artist and they're going to be unique to everybody so really really focusing on the distraction ones yes let's okay. focus on the distraction ones did we want to name like one for each of us that is distracting sure uh i'm just gonna say i mean for obviously the phone is an issue i would say for me mm -hmm. uh and it's really like, I think of it sometimes as a flip side. It's not just the phone. It's um, commitment to that space, that time, space, energy of like, nothing else is allowed in here except me and my creative time. Border, borders and boundaries. Borders and boundaries. So there is that element, which you're, you're taking it to the next level, which is great. I'm just looking for... Yeah, the, no, yeah, no. You're, yeah, you're yeah. doing the primary work, which is important. Which is just looking at the, the, the you know, what, what behavior am I doing that I need to adjust? And then the porqué, porqué, porqué. Is, okay. is, is a whole other thing. Um, 
for me, I'm going to say, see, and that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, wow, this has nothing to do with the object. It's, it's how I relate to the object. So one of the things for me is the object is uh, YouTube videos. Is there anything wrong with YouTube videos? Absolutely not. Joshy loves YouTube. I don't understand it, but I, well, I, that's not true. I, I have gone into dark holes of watching um, gear review videos <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I have a problem with audio and video equipment right. purchasing. Right, yeah, so yeah. So, I wouldn't even say I purchase that much as much as I watch videos about objects I'd like to purchase. So it's lust. Yeah, I have yeah, lust. It's lust. Gear lust. Yeah, forgive me, Father. So, so it's the same thing in relationship to these videos that I'm watching, which are fantastic videos. There's nothing wrong. I mean, it's like Dr. Joe Dispenza and... Um, oh, you actually watch videos that are helpful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not like me. Okay. I just, no, I'm no, just I'm, wasting but, my no, life. No, I'm not making a... See, I'm not making a value judgment. It's like, you know, you have gear, I have whatever else that is. Right, but like, I like Joe Dispenza and I'm like, oh, well, that's probably like, that maybe takes you to a positive emotional place. Oh, it does. And, and like sometimes I, would, I go, I binge on Gary V or sometimes I get inspired by um, uh, Casey, you know, all Casey these, nice yeah, all these guys are doing amazing work and it's fantastic, but, and it's inspirational and it helps me, but I have to have discernment as to when is, when is that becoming a distraction for me to not do my work? Yeah. Even as powerful and wonderful and amazing as it is. It's like, okay, you know what I'm working on right now? I'm working on this thing and I'm teaching a writing. I'm teaching a writing class um, in LA. Um, wonderful. Yeah. It, but I just came up because I'm, 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 I'm working on it. double again? Did yeah. You? Again, you're so funny. <laughs> is um, this element of overflow. And, and I just came up with this today, which is, is, is I want, I want to, this upcoming class is going to be about overflow writing. So I don't get to write until I get into a state of overflow. I taught a class down in San Diego, and what we did was everyone was expecting to write for an hour and a half. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. And so what happens is, is that I'm, I'm working on getting to the place where there's so much life, there's so much inner life coming up and out that my reservoir gets full. I go into an overflow state, and then I cannot not write. Mm. It's just it's effortless. It's effortless. And, and, and to create that as the, as the habit, as the new habit, so then there's no such thing as writer's block. It's like, what's a writer's block? Mm. Yeah. So, wow, we went from... <laughs> we, got okay. a, we got a little off topic. Okay. I like this. So, uh, oh, sorry, distraction? The thing thinking about food as you were talking. I was like, yeah. I wonder if there's this peak state where if I eat enough, it's like I'm not eating at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm, st- I'm full. <laughs> Josh, I came over to Josh oh. today and he had like 17 different kinds of chocolate bars <laughs> on, his, on his counter. An amazing raw food cracker and, and you know, some really Josh good feeds almond me. butter. Yeah, Josh feeds me all his raw goodies. Yeah. All right. Number two. Number two <laughs> with a bullet. Go for it. Is Joshua. Uh, you have the pattern. For me. Oh, okay. So uh, sleeping, uh, you know, the, the oh, basic. Oh, sleeping. Okay. Yeah. So. You have the pad. I'm going to put in a pitch for sleeping. Um. And it relates, actually, think to the next one on there. But so there are rare people I know who are, I would consider binge artists, writers who will do 12 hour, 14 hour chunks. They're the vast minority. Most people work by being creatively in rhythm. And to be creatively in rhythm, you need some consistency and expectation around your sleep cycle. And everyone I know, just they just kind of have those parameters because it relates to the time of day that you decide you want to write. 
Everyone is different. A lot of people write in the morning, but then there are people like Michael Chabon, who wrote uh, Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, a book, a novel I really like, writes 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. every day. That's a really bizarre writing habit, but that's how he works. That's mm-hmm. his process. Mm-hmm. But it, in order to do that, you've got to have some sort of expectation of when his sleep cycle is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's mm-hmm. maybe not the best example because most people probably can't sleep from like 4 a.m. to like noon and be productive but he can but like the point is you have to figure out what your consistent sleep cycle is going to be because how rested you go in impacts how creative you can because when you're not rested you get groggy or you get you're running on adrenaline which means you're hyperactive you get into bad sort of i would say creative states Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you actually particularly if you're doing something long form where you have to sit with something for a long time you need sort of like a reliable framework and so i would say sleep is really important getting enough of it mm-hmm. uh because there, you cannot sleep and drink coffee and stimulate yourself but usually there's burnout sooner or later there's burnout which is pretty toxic to a long-form project and here's here's the part that i i, I agree with you a thousand percent sleep and i'm going to th- throw in food and other um, rituals that are self-supporting, like, you know, sometimes baths, you know, both priming for you to, like, go up into the the creative state and also to come uh, out of the creative state. Um, But there's so many things that are, are, are functioning here. One is lifestyle. It's like, what's your lifestyle? And if your lifestyle is a certain way where you can't sleep 4 a.m. to noon every day because of other commitments you've made in your life, then then that's not going to work for you considering your whole life. But the other part of it is, is that people want to be creative. And I always tell people, you want to be creative, so why not create your creativity? Why not create your creative patterns or your creative cycles that you need to do your best possible work yeah. and and it's a self-referred situation so only you can answer that and i'm going to say through experimentation so let this podcast be your permission slip to start experimenting of what works for you yes and that comes back to preparation and boundaries a little bit which mm-hmm. we mentioned before which is if you want to be in the habit of, of getting to your desk at 6 a.m. and writing before work, for example, which mm-hmm. a lot of writers I know do, mm-hmm. you've got to have the discipline to say, you know what, it's 9.30, I'm going to bed, and I'm turning off my devices. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about planning ahead and preparation, and it's super yeah. unsexy. What will help you get you through that is the, the reward mm-hmm. of feeling like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to get two hours of rested creativity, which is going to feed my highest good, which I think leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Okay, this is number number, three. This is number three. I think you need a creative vision for your life to bring you through motivation. Tell me more about that. Okay, so I want to be 100% clear. I'm not talking about goals. Okay. So a goal would be finish the screenplay. A goal would be make the short movie. A goal would be have an artist exhibition for my, 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 my paintings. Okay. I'm talking about having a vision for the type of artist you want to be in your life what and always return it's usually not even a goal in this it's not a goal in the sense that it's usually visual it's and it's usually a feeling and it's as in simple as am i feeling in this moment that i'm creating doing the kind of creative work that i've dreamed of that's making me happy because the flip side of this is we all know people who've done lots of work that has made money and been out in the world but they don't feel like they're doing the kind of creative work that they're most 
proud of that is their deepest vision and it's really a felt sense and you have to go back to it and you just know it at the time and i think like for me it sometimes comes up in this sense of am i making cool stuff Mm -hmm. am i making cool stuff like like the sadly we've been working on it for a year but the the project you and i've been working on uh for a year with the writer hannah smith right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's coming out Soon. Soonish. <laughs> Anyways, where we, we did a series of four podcasts with her where she rewrote and she rewrote and we did development with her and then we shot her on stage and she performed it in LA at two different events. It was really cool. But when I sit down to work on that, I'm like, this was a vision. This is the kind of work I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. This is a project that is meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of artist I want to be in the world to do this project. And that's the... You, it ha- you have to have that vision because... If your vision, if your goal is just like, no, I want to get a screenplay option by a major studio, like that's not really going to carry you forward. So what you're saying is that your projects slash goals need to map to your, 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 your full big picture vision. Yeah. And it can't, it doesn't all the time. To some degree, but yeah. to a degree it needs to. It doesn't to. all the time. Eric Heiser, who I've talked about on the show, who wrote the screenplay for Arrival, which was nominated for an Oscar, has said that like... He's also written sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street. And he, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not putting that down. I'm not saying that wasn't his vision, but I know he worked on that script for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And so it was like his deepest creative need. And he's done other work that's not, and it's because he's got a, this vision that is part of his creative life in addition to his paid screen work, writing work. Mm-hmm. So it's just to say that like, you've got to be connected to that. And particularly if you've got another day job and you're not really trying to make a career of your artistic work, it's got to be a hundred percent connected to your vision because mm-hmm. who wants to go to work and then do more work that they don't, that's not connected to some vision for their life. So, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't want to go to work to come home to make it as something else that doesn't have a lot of meaning for me. So like, that's what I'm talking about. A vision. Yeah. Understood. Clear. Okay. Yes. Uh, the other things I would say would be to, um, well, you, you've, you're a big supporter of this, which is finding either a, a personal mentor or being involved with a group, people like that, that, that support you as, as, as the artist you are. So this is a little bit easier for people who work in collaborative art forms. So let's say you are in film production and you're constantly working with other people. So you're used to being around other people. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people who are, if you're an oil painter in a studio alone, if you're a writer writing a novel or a screenplay or poetry in your office by yourself at your desk, it can be incredibly isolating. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is very helpful to find first, if you can have a mentor or mentors who believe in your work, who are encouraging you forward who are there for you when you hit a point where it seems like nothing's mm-hmm. working or you're not motivated um or you or you lose the vision you lose the through yeah, line lose mm-hmm. the through line yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's one option the other option is just a group of supporting people mm-hmm. that can be a class it's just to get interactions with other people that keep your your you sort of creatively engaged and also in a positive plane yeah um, I'm going to throw in one of my personal favorites, which is exit and enter freely. Joshua's Townsend's specialty, <laughs> specialty. So it's such a complex concept. So you should explain. So enter and exit freely is about being able to go into whatever it is that you're working on. Um, and I'm being vague when I say that, but let's say you're, you're, let's say you're writing a scene and it's, it's, uh, highly emotionally charged. I need to find a way to be able to go into that scene 
and work on it as a writer or as an actor or as, you know, whatever form it's taking. And then at the end of that period of rehearsal or writing session or whatever it is, to be able to exit that scene and go about my life in a, in, in a, in a way where the residue of that scene isn't still on me. Mm. And so what that looks like, it does take practice. This isn't something you make a mental decision and one day, you know, never do again um, or always do. But you need to be able to find a way uh, through borders and boundaries, usually setting up some sort of border or boundary that you go, okay, when I start this session at 11 o'clock, I'm going to work on this for 30 minutes. And then when I leave, when I'm done, when the timer goes off, I, I drop it and I let it go. And it takes a lot of uh, inner discipline to do that, especially when you're working on deep personal stuff. But it's also really super healthy and super important so that you can show up for that kind of work. Otherwise, it's really hard to, to keep showing up to uh, write or rewrite those scenes. So there was a study, I think, that was done at UCLA like 10 or 15 years ago mm. in which they took two groups of actors mm -hmm. and one group of actors came in and rehearsed this really depressing scene all day for like eight hours and the other one did a really happy one. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then they took their blood levels and measured certain stress hormones. Sure. And you can imagine what happened, the depressed, angry group had physiological changes in their body that were not great. Yeah. So, uh, this is just to say to what Josh said, the trick is figuring out a way to leave it behind, mm -hmm. and, you know, and this is something actors have to, I've heard from actors that like, you know, I heard from one woman actor I met that she did, she had to do a short movie about a breakup. And then for like weeks afterwards, she was, um, depressed even to the mm -hmm. weird point where she said she wanted to actually call the other actor who she played across in the f short film. Right. So like it was, it can really get inside you. Right. And then, and I would imagine her husband wasn't thrilled. I think it was, it was worse <laughs> than that. I think the guy, I think the guy she played opposite had a wife. Even better. <laughs> yeah. I saw that movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that's where it goes where it's that would not be a good movie idea. Yeah. Hey, wow. Wow. Yeah. See, that's the problem. The problem is, is that you may be able to touch into it. You may be able to tap the source, but if it's not sustainable and if it's not repeatable, it's, it's, it, it does, mm, it's less, mm, what do you call it for the artist? It's less, uh, potent for the artist to be able to, uh, to enter and exit freely. Otherwise, otherwise you can't do a variety of projects or you get stuck in one project and, and you can't come back. Yeah. And, and it makes you and, not want to do the work. Yeah. And then, and then you create resistance because you're like, Ooh, I don't want to go there because what if I can't come back? And, and, and then, and then you don't really enter fully because yeah. you don't trust yourself to come back fully or, or the cost of entry is high. But if I really keep that, this idea, this reality that I'm creating my reality I'm creating this, and when I can, when I when I really own that I'm creating this, then I can also uncreate it. I can let it go. Right. And and I'm going to venture to say that that's like all of life, but that's another story. So what else? Because you know, every person, place, or thing is only is only there because I have a held point of view about it. And if I shift my held point of view about it, then I can I can enter and exit freely in relationship to any um, anything that's going on in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a important awareness to have because it informs what you decide to write to and write about mm -hmm. yeah. or whatever you're doing, act, whatever you want to chase. 
And then the last one that's I is is in our in our five. I think we went. I think we had more than five. I think we had more than five. Oh dear. Oh dear. We're not winning the math award. Okay. <laughs> is in. I'll throw it out, and you can and you can elaborate on it. But I feel like this is one of the most important uh, ways to, to support the artist. Is the th- is it's called the three M principle. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> it's it's well, it's pretty specific, and um, it's the three M principle, which means make more money. <laughs> <laughs> so go go ahead, Adam, hit it. Um, I'm really excited about this. I don't know how it supports. So we want you to meditate and manifest some money, so you don't have to work as much. You can do more art, or uh, or, or, or make or make more money from your art, and yeah. so, so you can afford to live in LA. So I think part of what Josh might be alluding to is the idea that you should value your art and view it as something that people should pay for. And if you do that, uh, it's more likely that you can generate money from your art, which could in turn make it supportive of your art and make Mm -hmm. you allow you to make art longer. Uh, it's hard for people often to make money as artists. So this is, uh, something to keep in mind. It's something I don't, keep in mind enough of I did a storytelling show in Kauai and mm-hmm. we actually made a little money it was the first time I'd done a storytelling show like not a lot I think we you know I had to split it I think we met, netted like $250 but it was just nice. like so weird to have a storytelling show that you actually made money at. nice <laughs> and like but that came from everyone involved in that show really believing that people should come and pay for this event, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. we'd had to pay for the rental space. And, sure. uh, and that was nice. It was nice to be like, you know what? So it helps. It's important to have that perspective that you value what you do. And this extends actually beyond art. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And you know, a lot of us live in urban places where it's harder and harder to be an artist. And so, you know, I lament about what's happened in New York City a lot, a place I really love. You know, it's Brooklyn was once a haven for artists and writers and everyone from Truman Capote to like all these famous people and have historically lived there mm-hmm. and it's not possible anymore. Mm-hmm. And so to say, I think it's an important principle to say like, look, your art deserves to be compensated for. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, sometimes this is beyond your control. You can't always negotiate more money for what you're doing mm-hmm. you know the script is worth what the script is worth the novel the book you published earned with whatever it earned but if you have it as a guiding principle it's helpful i'm going to say the other 3m principle is my moments matter and if i really tap into my moments matter which is another 3m principle <laughs> make more money I'm, I'm into m's today um is is that is that you know this is my life's work and and because it's my life's work it's uh, i'm gonna allow other people to support it so i can do more of it right and it's an ever engaging ever evolving um uh circle it's and it's not it's not a limitation it's an expansion and with that in mind um, we have launched a patreon account where you could all (laughs) give us somewhere between three dollars and 47 cents and fifty dollars a month i love i love how we like you know i don't think anyone would notice how self-serving that might come across but you know uh, we don't have a patreon account not yet. not yet yeah not, yet. not yet but um that that is that is something that uh that we all need to uh, step up with and to- yeah so josh and i are going to practice what we preach which means as soon as we stop this recording we're not going to check our phones immediately 
yeah there you go we're gonna wait about 39 seconds yeah we won't it's gonna be painful and we won't know what to say to each other but we're still gonna do it and we're gonna have good food and we're going to be able to exit and enter our creative projects freely Mm -hmm. um we're gonna keep in mind the big uh big vision mm -hmm. we're gonna be conscious of our sleep this evening Mm -hmm. we're gonna think about our creative rhythm oh did we really talk about maybe that's one other thing we should Mm -hmm. touch upon what ritual in terms of support and cueing your brain mm-hmm. um it can be as simple as like the way you make your coffee and where you decide to work every morning mm-hmm. but it's just a, a space a ritual a coffee shop you go to even a place that you sit it's just part of rhythm rhythm yes and so i'm doing a hand gesture with my right hand like turning a wheel but i just want to put that out there because you know rhythm it's so much of like I think so much of the reason we are who we are each day is based on our environment and how we cue ourselves, Mm -hmm. which means we lead to having the same thoughts Mm -hmm. and the same behaviors. And so if we're going to be, you know, ritualized people, let's put in rituals that lead us to things that have good outcomes. Yes. For us. Well said. Rather than rituals that I don't want to call them rituals. I want to say behavioral patterns that, you know, the same thoughts, the same crappy choices that Mm -hmm. don't that take us away from doing what we want which has to do with distractions but what i am going to say is that the rhythm method is not just for catholics anymore it's not just for catholics anymore ho all right lead us out of this one please i have nothing to say josh made a sexual reference and i'm confused (laughs) and now it's going to be harder not to look at my phone when we stop recording because i'm going to feel uncomfortable you can like us on Facebook and Instagram to get all of updates about our future episodes. Send us an email at notes on your notes at gmail.com with a question and we will perhaps do it on the air. And don't forget October 20th, 6 p.m., the second anniversary party for right. Notes on Your Notes. That's right. In beautiful downtown Los Angeles, very close to the Disney Concert Hall. Uh, DM us for the actual address and all the other yeah, details. So DM us either on Instagram or on Facebook. Mm-hmm. If you want to go, Josh will hook you up with the address. We'd love to see you there. There'll be lots of people on stage telling stories, doing wonderful, amazing, creative work. The sound on the show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod and the editing and design is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.